0: What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? You're about to listen to a special edition of the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Jeff Morton and myself will be attending the Nuggets game Tuesday night, so we won't be doing our normal recording at that point. But we did sit down with Chris Dempsey after Monday's Nuggets practice to get his thoughts on the first two games of the season, as well as our own. We won't be talking about Broncos. They did have a bye week, so we'll be back talking about them next week. All of our thoughts are with John Fox as he's recovering from the open-heart surgery he underwent. We'll see what happens with the Broncos this coming week, and we'll be sure to talk about it on the show next week. But for now, if you like what we're doing here, visit us at ColoradoSportsGuys.com, click the Amazon banner at the top of the page, and do your normal shopping. Now please enjoy this special edition of the podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Well, what have you thought of the past couple games and what we've seen in practice how are those are they correlating at all what you're seeing in practice in games well we don't get to see like what they're working on or anything like that but I was
1: surprised at how unenergetic and discombobulated they were Mm -hmm. you know it it was just startling to see how in the Blazers game in the Blazers game it was specifically it was just startling to see how different they were because even in the um, Sacramento game there was energy there they you know, they didn't play well on stretches, but there was energy. There was no energy when they played against against the the Blazers. So that was startling. I'm hoping that they come out against San Antonio with a little more energy than they did.
2: Well, what's been interesting to me is the last couple of home – now I'm going back into the preseason. Mm-hmm. So the last preseason home game was against Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. And just how no energy in that home game, no energy in the, the Portland home game. But yet, when they went on the road to Chicago, there was a ton of energy in the preseason, and then went on the road to Sacramento, there was a ton of energy in the preseason. So I'm not sure but if this team doesn't need uh, a little bit of adversity, or, or to feel that it's up against a wall, or it has to come out scrapping for it to, uh, you know, for the players to actually come out scrapping. Um, you know, generating the energy at home, they might just feel a little t- bit too comfortable. One twenty-three straight before losing to. Uh, Portland uh, the other night, and you know, maybe it's just a case now where you know they've got that loss. People are kind of talking smack about them a little yeah. bit, and so now they're gonna use all of that energy in a positive way on the basketball court.
0: Do you think that it's gonna make any kind of difference with Jordan Hamilton in there versus Anthony Randolph? Uh,
2: I mean, yes, from standpoint the from the standpoint of shooting, <laughs> for sure, it should. Uh, Anthony Randolph, uh, Brian Shaw was saying that Anthony Randolph in the preseason was one of their most consistent shooters. Well, that clearly hasn't been the case, you know, lately. No. So, you, know, you might as well try Jordan Hamilton. And, and, and guys, I mean, you guys know this, they're, they're down to the bare bones anyway. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're not going to, I don't think they really want to start Evan Fournier at the three. So, they're just they're kind of keeping him more at, as a two um and, and a ball handler some when he's on the court sometimes So if you're not going to do that, and you don't feel that Quincy Miller is really ready to go Then the only place you have to go is Jordan Hamilton mm-hmm. and hope that he does something good and hopefully he actually Can make a three-point shot because the last time we saw Jordan Hamilton play uh, I think the last time he started was the Clippers game I might be mistaken I was, but I think it was the Clippers game in the yeah. preseason mm-hmm. and it was kind of like airball very bad miss we'll t- we're taking you off the court now putting you back on so he's had to get his confidence back and
0: we'll we'll, we'll see if he can help stretch the defense and shot kind of mentioned something about him too about if he misses a shot or something that he kind of you know, snowball or something you know and you don't want that to happen and we were kind of talking with him about you know how do you stay confident out there you know and it's, it, it'll be interesting to see because I, I just can't help but feel that the team misses Wilson Chandler and Dino Gallinari like so badly. Mm-hmm. You know, well we it, it was really
1: essayed to us against Portland where and it was, and against actually for that matter against Sacramento Gallo dam- dominates Sacramento and he doesn't dominate Portland because Nick Batum dominates him mm-hmm. but the, that element of Chandler and Gallinari is they have such good chemistry together. And they had on the offensive end that when you need a shot like that or to break a slump, they could do it. And right now the nuggets don't have any slump breakers. Yeah. They have a bunch of guys who want to be, but no one who really can, you know, tied only can do so much. Mm-hmm. And what, what can you do if you don't have anyone really on the roster? You know, you hope that Quincy Miller can, you hope that Jordan Hamilton can, but clearly Anthony Randolph wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, I I was watching the Phoenix preseason game, and I was, uh, I turned to Adam Kinney from My Life Sports next to me and said, You're not going to win a game with Anthony Randolph shooting 22 jumpers. It's just not going to happen. And it's sure enough, he gets to the regular season, and it's just not clicking. So right now, the Nuggets are just going to have to slog through this lack of quote unquote playmaking that they have right now.
2: Yeah, they have to find offense from somewhere. It's just, you know, Ty Lawson's their only offense, and he's really only shooting 30 something percent from the field. Um, Nate Robinson is their second leading scorer because he had such a big fourth quarter, uh, you know, the other night. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's trying to be instant offense off the bench. I, I don't know. You know, if, you, if they can't make a jump shot, they're in trouble. You know, it's the, the offense really is set up. Brian Shaw, if Brian Shaw, if we're to take him at his word that they're getting most of the shots they want to get in this offense and they're just <laughs> not making them, then that is, you know, maybe that turns itself around or maybe it becomes – the biggest red flag of all like this team can't shoot and you know and and I guess we'll know that more as the the season kind of goes along in the next couple of months but um you know you know they brought in Randy Foy for a reason and that was to make jump shots he's been okay but not really great at that um and beyond him it's been pretty well nothing you know and in in the post it's been spotty at best uh and so it's uh, they they're having they're, there's lots of issues there. I mean shooting issues are very very real, and I don't know You know, they're hoping that Jordan Hamilton can help remedy that a little bit I don't know that that's gonna be the case. Well, but we'll we now know that Fareed will be starting with uh, McGee, I
1: mean even with you Nate, I want to know from you too What are your thoughts on? Introducing that kind of thing into it because I asked Shaw When we're talking to him after practice about it and he kind of brushed it off but it is real and there was a reason george never really put them together last year
0: yeah and you look at them too and you have farid and mcgee and they're sort of similar games Mm -hmm. of not being able to space the floor and then you have hickson and mozgov and they kind of have similar games where they can space the floor a little bit it's going to be interesting to see how long Shaw goes with farid mcgee on the court together and hickson and mozgov before he kind of starts interchanging guys because they don't seem to complement each other too well, as Freed and McGee and Hickson and Moskoff.
1: Yeah, that's that would be my fear too. I mean, would you have the same kind of? Have you seen the same thing on the court?
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't want really, to. You know, they're they're individually they're not. They don't really complement each other, and it, they're it's hard to just go to one of them and really expect good results all the time. I will say this: if you can't shoot the ball, you might as well have those two on the court because they will go get an offensive board, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's probably going to be their best value until the Nuggets really start do making some shots in their offense. Um, you know, I will say this about JaVale McGee, and uh, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm writing something like this, but it's, offensively, JaVale McGee, when you look back at his shots, and how they've come, and what he's been, and what he's done, it's actually not as bad as it appears to be. He's not making shots. He's not making the hook shot. He needs to make that hook shot. He's only made it a couple times. But he's shown us a left-handed hook baseline, spinning baseline. Really nice yeah, well, you know? yeah, so it's clear that he's worked on that. Uh, the jump shot is falling about, I don't know, about 40-something percent of the time. And so it looks very wishy-washy, especially then when you combine his uh, – the defensive end is a whole different animal. Yeah. It's, it's just not good. It's but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, a good way to put it. It's just not good. It's just – you know, I, I, listen, I, I, I think JaVale McGee really is just – Focus away from being pretty good when you watch him on the court he just doesn't know where he's going sometimes or just doesn't know where he and that just should never happen but if he ever did it's the light bulb would go on and it would he's very hard to finish over if you're shooting over javale mcgee it's you gotta shoot 13 feet in the air to get over his you know uh, you know if he can just get himself together mentally i think he'll be fine and then the shot-making the shot comes. You know, he has to get comfortable. He hasn't necessarily been asked to play in a post and be a focal point and all that kind of stuff in the, in the way that they're asking him to be a focal point. And so it takes time to get used to it, get comfortable, get comfortable with what defenses are showing you. He's going to have two levels here. Once he actually starts making shots and starts being very effective in the post, then he's going to start getting double-teamed. Because right now, he's not even getting double-teamed. They're just singling him up and saying, well, take your best shot. And He's not making him pay for it. When he does, then he'll start. Get, then he'll have another level of learning that he has, that he has to go through. But I think he's. It doesn't look great when you look at it, but when you go back and look at it, it's not as bad as it seems. And I just think if he can try to get his focus together, he had to play the Sacramento game with Randy Foy. And it was a simple pick and roll, and when he comes off the roll. Nobody's guarding him. Randy hits him with a pass, and he's not even expecting the ball. Yeah. Well, you gotta expect the ball, you know. When you <laughs> yeah. roll, yeah. So, so the ball bounces off him, right? It's a turnover, and they're going back the other way. Well, that should just never happen, but it does with JaVale McGee. And then he go, he goes to these confident swings where, when it snowballs, he gets down on himself, and then more stuff goes wrong. And that's to me that's the biggest area that he's got to fix. Uh, if he can get that together, we can see him then play with Kim Fried and that be a little bit more of a productive. You know, duo than we think it is right now. We
0: have uh, Wizards fans that come on Denver Stiffs and they, particularly after I put out an article about how Brian Shaw is trying to trust JaVale McGee more and he's not going to play him until he feels he can trust him. And they were saying, you know, this, he's worked with Flip Saunders here in Washington or, you know, now he, he had George Carl, now he's got Brian Shaw. How long is it going to be until you Denver fans realize he's never going to get it mentally. He never got it here. It doesn't look like he's getting it there. It's not going to happen.
2: I, I I would say this. Uh I, you know, I, I have respect for Flip Saunders. I don't have respect for that whole situation that was happening in Washington when he was there. It was terrible. The locker room was pretty bad. The, the, I mean, it was just a bad situation. I'm just going to throw that out right now with the you know, with the understanding that JaVel McGee caused some of his own problems. Um, the George Carl thing, you know, listen, he just asked him to be an athlete and then to stay below the defense when, when they got in the half court, and that's it. Okay, so now if you're not asking anything very intricate or, uh, you know, cerebral of a guy, this, what he's going through right now, is probably one of the biggest changes basketball-wise that he's gone through in his career. And so after two games, there's no way I'm making a value judgment on what JaVale McGee can be in the system. Yeah, It's going to take two or three months before we start to really see, okay, he's not going to get it. Or... He's made really strides, and now he just needs more time. So, I, I understand the apathy from you know other fan bases. You know, I I, I do. You know, he looks bad, but I, I think with a guy who trusts, you know, who wants to believe in him, who who's staying positive positive with him, but is giving him tough love, saying, "Hey, look, you're not going to play unless you play like I want you to play, unless you do what we we need you to do, but we believe in you to be able to get it done." This is something that's new for him, and I think. We, I think it's just is, we got to reserve judgment on that until uh, until later. Well,
1: he um, Shaw removed uh, Javale from the Portland game three minutes into the second half, I <laughs> believe, and he never came back. Yeah. And there was a stretch of basketball with Freed and McGee in like the first half where they were both colliding with each other and knocking each other off of rebounds. And I'll never forget last year after one of those in- instances happened, George Carl. I believe, it was on the record. He was he was saying. There's no way I could play those two together. There is no way. What are you asking me to do? There is no way I could do that. And then you could kind of see it a little. I guess the problem is necessarily that you you wish Kenneth had a more diversified offensive game Mm -hmm. to where he wasn't always down getting garbage, you know. Mm -hmm. And they're both kind of garbage players right now. So that that kind of conflicts with each other. But I guess in a sense the only way you're going to be able to – Find out how they're going to be able to adjust to this is if they play together yeah. so you kind of have to put them in this position and like okay You guys are going to have to find a way to do it and I said it in my recap on the Friday game against Portland So like Kenneth is going to make two decisions if he wants to start either He's going to either they're going to have to put boot JaVale off the starting lineup and put Mozgov in or he's going to have to learn how to play with JaVale And I think it looks right now. It's a sink or swim thing. It's like, okay You guys are going to thrown out in the ocean Learn how to live together. Yeah. Uh, try not to get in each other's way. And hopefully it'll work, you know. So.
0: And I've kind of liked, too, I mean, Mozgov played 21 minutes against the Blazers, which is as many as McGee's played all season. I've, I've been pretty impressed with Mozgov's game so far. I think he looks pretty good. I mean, Me we are just talking to him a little bit about verticality, and he seems to understand what Shaw wants out of him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been – you've seen his growth from, you know, Carl's system to this system, and it looks pretty, pretty
1: good. It looks like it was made for – Moscow mm-hmm. this kind of system was made for him um, if he was a slightly better passer they could draw triangles out there and he, <laughs> could, he could do that, but I mean that's that's one of those things where you see and that's he's been one of the more rev, rev, revelatory things that have happened mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, I agree and because He didn't look good last year For vast stretches. I mean just to the point where he never got off the bench for you know a long stretch of games but then, you know, you see him this year, and you're like, okay, you see the skill that made Masai want to include him in the, in the Carmelo-Anthony trade. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to have a, a nice backup to, to JaVale that is a, that solid.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? Have you, you see seen some, the same thing that year that guy year? made more shots and caught the ball, he'd be starting. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's that simple. True. Because he gets such deep – well, here's what I like about him. He gets such deep position in the post. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he turns to seal – I mean, he's basically turns and he's right at the rim, yep. and the thing about him is that he's just been so spotty. You know, he might miss a layup, he might miss a dunk, he might not even catch the ball, and so then the then his uh, teammates don't even want to throw him the ball, and so these things have really prevented him from really growing into. But he's got listen, the footwork is there. He's got a left hook, a right hook. He's got a little bit of a jump shot, I and mean, he's got the skills. This kind of a structured system is. The Timothy Mosgauz system, it really is perfect for a center like him. Um, in, in the way that, you know, George Carl was asking him just to do like everybody else, just run up and down the court, it's not necessarily where his strengths lie. I mean, he's not the most athletic guy. He's got some athleticism. He's not the most athletic guy uh, on the face of the earth. So he's not just going to beat, you know, guys with his pure, pure talent. So we need some structure to help him out with that, and I think this system is really good for him. I think it'll be very interesting to see him grow because I think he'll start making shots. I think it's just one of those things where it's kind of like he needs people to stop being down on him or yelling at him when he doesn't, or you know, that you know, it's just it's one of those things. Where it kind of gets in your psyche, yeah, and, and you, it just festers. And so once that stuff kind of stops happening, and once he proves that he can get out there and repeat these performances over and over and over again, I think we'll start to really see him blossom. I think you're right. I, I, it's just he, uh, you know, as much as anybody on that team, has, it's just been such a pleasant surprise oh, yeah. watching him. And you're right, you know, when Masai uh, in- fought to include him in the trade, right? That was mm-hmm. the you're going to include Mozgov or we're not going to do the trade kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, you know, that's, you know, we're starting to see some of the reason why he was so high on him. And that. It's just, guys. I, had, I was very surprised when he came back to the Nuggets. I oh, really was. You know, I I thought that that ship had sailed, and he was like, "Dude, you got, you're not going to play us. You're not going to play me." So I like, why would I come back to this? And they were able to say, "Hey, don't don't worry. That was last year. This is this year. We're going to play you." Got rid of Kufus, We got you know we're we're carving out time for you. You'll be on the court. We were all and, surprised. Yeah,
1: I, everyone was like, Yeah, I think I, I texted Nate today and happened. I'm like, whoo! Yeah,
0: shocking. <laughs> I had a feeling he was coming back. Like I was in Vegas at summer league and he was around the Nuggets that whole time and hanging out with guys like Conley and the team. And, mm-hmm. and I you know kept asking Conley. I was like, you know, how are you guys getting closer with Mozgov? He's like, he's not going anywhere. He's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. And yeah. I was like. Are you sure? <laughs> so, you know, he was right, but there's something too with him. Where in that Blazers game, you see him finish off the pick and roll, where he's rolling and getting the ball and going up and dunking it, and you're like, I mean, that's like pure power. And he's like, the, he's a he's a huge, he's a monster. Yeah. Guy. What encouraged you know.
1: me on that was the dunk mm-hmm. more than anything else, more than the roll. It was the dunk, the man. catch, was, and then the dunk. Yeah. You right. Timo has a hard time finishing sometimes. You know, he just. I think he's got the big man syndrome where he thinks he's going to hurt someone. And I really, I really really have drawn that conclusion because he really has come sometimes, especially when he's around the, some of the smaller players, you see him pull back a little. And he's just got to hurt him, to be honest with you. And I think it's starting to get on him now, uh, uh, dawn on him, because that dunk was just an aggressive follow-through, get right to the basket moment. And if he does more of that and he really has more decisiveness about him, it'll, it'll – I'll follow
2: through for him as far as i Put him in wide receiver
0: gloves, too. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I don't know if you guys have ever seen him play. I'm, I'm sure you have played for the Russian national team. Yeah. He is a completely different player with that team than he was with the Nuggets. He's so confident. He, uh, You know, everything he does, he does with purpose with that team. And it's just I watch him in those games and I go, if that guy played for the Nuggets – <laughs> he'd be, uh, he'd be, you know, he'd be he'd be, Yes, I mean, he'd be starting <laughs> exactly, uh, you know. And and I think we're starting to get to that guy now. Yeah. You know, the, the the Russian national team guy. And once we, once he can, if he can incorporate all of that confidence in his play on the court, they'll really have a good tandem of centers. Uh, you know, late in the season, we'll all be able to look at that in a way that we weren't. We aren't looking at it right now. That's a. That position is more short up than we thought it was going to be, but it really does depend on the growth. And we talked about DeVale McGee, but, you know, his growth as well.
0: Yes. I also haven't been disappointed in the fact that you know, a lot of Nuggets fans, we'll see here talking about, well, why aren't they running more and why aren't they doing some of the stuff where they were successful last year? And I don't mind seeing Brian Shaw stick to his guns of, this is what we're going to run in the future, mm-hmm. so let's make these guys on the roster – Conform to what I want to do, and then we'll figure out if these guys can do it or if they can't. And then yeah. they can make some deals, move guys around. But I also don't mind if you know if the Nuggets, if they happen to miss the playoffs this year, what's your prize? You might get a shot at Andrew Wiggins or something like that. Well, so not
1: really, though. I mean, they won't don't they be bad enough. To they'll get have it. a
0: couple lottery balls if they get that. <laughs> but I, I I just don't in a league mind. that never never rewards <laughs> the actual worst team, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I don't mind seeing the Nuggets. You know, I don't. I like seeing Shaw stick to his guns and not. You know, trying to just win games. He's trying to, I think, develop guys and develop a system here that could be, you know, the one that is going to win for them down the road. Yeah.
1: Well, when is do we have any idea when Wilson's coming back? He
0: told me.
2: When I asked him in Sacramento, and uh, he said hopefully by the end of this week. And his But you move. know what? Yeah.
0: Does the, his hamstring fall off his body? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what he said was actually what he said was he thought he tried to come back do too much too soon and come back too fast, and so it just kept tightening back up on him, uh, so that they they were taking it a lot more slowly this time around. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, he's, three different occasions he's told me times he thought he was going to come back, and he's not made any of them. So, you know, it's, at this point, anybody's guess, you know, as to when he actually shows up. But, um, apparently, there's just that tightness that's still in his,
0: and in that hamstring that he's not. You know, been able to get over. I remember a Flalo trying to play through a hamstring injury a couple of years ago, and he'd come back for three or four games, and he'd miss three or four games, yeah. and he'd come back and play four games and miss a week. You yeah. know, so I, I don't. What was, was the injury? Hopefully, he comes back, he can play for a while. Yeah, what was in the, the injury yeah. he
1: had that kept? Was it the stomach torn, uh, stomach muscle thing that he had in the uh, uh, Oklahoma City playoff series where he was out? Listen, Chandler. And no, 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 uh, uh, a Flalo. And you know he kept trying oh, to come back,
2: and it would just would
1: regress. And well, they didn't answer. have him.
2: Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what that was. Remember. They didn't, they didn't have him for just like for the, maybe the first game or two. Yeah, and then they lost them both, and then he was he came back and played here, It's something like that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's it's
1: hard that's with a little bit cloudy. It really is hard with muscles. <laughs> a
0: laptop it helps.
1: Speaking
2: of
0: yeah, <laughs> basketball <laughs> reference. Or yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, actually, I was just going to say that Speaking of injuries, you know, we all watched. I mean, you were at. I'm certain you were. I I couldn't make it to the game, so I had to watch it on television, and I, I, that whole beginning, was surreal with Rocky, you know, and stuff like that. But but what was even more, what was a kicker to that, was watching Danilo Gallinari go down the stairs, and the entire time I'm thinking. (gasps) <gasps> yeah what are you doing what are they doing <laughs> turn on the he lights he should just be
2: on the court
1: <laughs> what? why <is> he doing <laughs> that he was, he was thinking, saying, turn the <laughs>
0: lights on he can't <laughs> see <any> stairs. <laughs> yeah. why, down the stairs
1: <laughs> and you could see this horrified look on his face concentrating going down the stairs
0: but at the same time he looked pretty good going down those stairs that's He's true <laughs> <laughs> wearing that nice italian that. suit you know yeah. so,
1: <laughs> i was like well, that whole beginning of that game was just like a bad omen for that game it was just
2: yeah, because you know what, they're not well as so well versed in the offense that they can uh, uh, then you know come out with no in- energy and still be productive. You know, mm-hmm. remember in George Carl's offense, even when they didn't come out with a ton of energy, it was still kind of okay. I mean, it was it just it just didn't look like we just knew what it should look like, and it didn't look like that. Yeah. But they were generally in games, or probably even leading them. They just you know just didn't just was uh, the energy was low. But when they don't know the offense the way they really don't know it they can get through it sometimes one time through and then w- if it's defended, then it's kind of like what are we doing now? Uh, where do I go? I mean you talked about guys colliding and there was I mean there have been a couple of plays where just guys are just they just hit each other and it's like seriously <laughs> you're in the same <laughs> <you know? laughs> you're doing, <man>. yeah <laughs> but listen but this, this is one thing I, I, I start to really dial in on with Brian Shaw is how many times he says, they have to b- follow the game plan, buy into the offense. This is starting to become repeating that. Oh. And if in February he's still saying that, then that is a huge problem. Yes. We're seeing guys run into each other or be in the same spots. Or th- I mean there were a couple of times where Ty Lawson would just point at you, go oh, get down there. We're running this play, you know? And it's like okay, I mean I I they' you have to know the you have to know the plays and I think with Kim three we're gonna find out if he knows the plays yep. you know, they'll he's gonna start. We're gonna find out if he knows the plays and you you, you know if you don't in this system it's going to look so bad. Yeah. If they do, I think there's a lot of good with in the way that they play. If the screening is there, if the cutting is there, if the player movement is there, they're gonna get open looks. Andre Miller is <laughs> 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 leading the NBA in field goal percentage. He's leading NBA field goal percentage.
0: Say what? Timeless wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. Take that,
2: all <laughs> oh, you
1: guys who said he couldn't yeah. play offense. He's yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <It's, it's laughs> like, doing those YMCA YMC, moves, yeah. you know, and it's like he does the same moves. Every season, every but it's game.
2: really really funny because <laughs> like even in that Sacramento game. They were running. They're playing him a small forward Okay, well, you know, he's he, he'll he just tell you well, it's just a wing spot So it really doesn't matter and he's right to a certain extent yeah. But you know what it got him. They he played off the ball. He got looks he knocked him down He got easy looks he got looks in the paint and he knocked him down. That's what this offense can get you if you are willing to commit to it and and do everything it requires it's going to get you shots that you that are open and are available for you to knock down. But if you don't, then you're going to look like the first two and a half, three quarters of that Portland game. I was trying so to side. think
0: of a uh, of a good defensive player the Nuggets have on the wing, and I don't know if there really is one yet you can point to, but. I was saying if you could get Timothy Mosgoff wide receiver gloves, and if you could have Andre Miller, if he could run back after the Nuggets score to half court and tag somebody, and have that guy come <laughs> in and play defense for him,
2: that would be a good. That player. would be. That would be ideal. If
0: the Nuggets have like that <laughs> Pablo <laughs> oh, or something. Like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they don't really have a, have a an individual defender like they had in I- Iguodala when he was here, so. I mean that they have to rely much more on team defense, and that's always going to be a work in progress. Specifically, when you're slowing the pace down, mm-hmm. you have to concentrate more. Yeah, and there's a lot of concentrating going on out there, and there's not a lot of doing.
2: Yeah, and once they start doing, it'll be that much easier, I think. And you know what? It's funny because you know. He, You know Brian Shaw is playing the percentages. We want to be beat over the top more than we want to be beaten in the post Well, they've been beaten over the top and it's and that's really their biggest problem spot is The three-point line and I mean I think opponents are shooting something like 58% from the three-point line against them And that is outrageous and uh, you know, but then when you get below the arc They're holding I think I think it's something like right around 40 or below 40 percent so when they run these teams off of the off the three-point line, they're getting stops and they're getting missed shots. Mm-hmm. But right now the three-point line is a problem for them. And I don't know, you know, listen, Nicholas Batum was on fire. Uh, that whole Portland team was on fire from the three-point line. I mean, Wesley Matthews was really good from the three-point line as well. I mean, they have guys who can make three-point shots. Sacramento, they made three-point shots. They didn't really don't have – they're <laughs> going to look at their roster and go,
0: they have three-point shooters on that roster. But they had some guys who knocked down some shots too. I kind of uh, noticed on that when you're looking at three-pointers in that in the Blazers game, I was watching Anthony Randolph, and he was getting – guys were driving the middle of the paint, and he would get sucked mm-hmm. in to the paint, and then they'd kick it to Batum, his man, who was wide open. And that's kind of how he was getting oh, some shots. Yeah.
1: Batum had like five wide open. Yeah, and then
0: I was watching a little bit of Damian Lillard where he was coming off screens, and he was recognizing that the Nuggets big was giving him some space, so he'd come off the screen and just immediately shoot the three. Yeah. So I was looking at just kind of those two things of, well, that's why they're getting open there, like – the Nuggets got to do something to –
1: Their positioning is terrible, on, on specifically on the perimeter. And you would think that – well, obviously, once again, there's another Chandler and Gallinari thing. If they're able to have the length on the perimeter, it's a little better. I can see what the Nuggets were doing with Anthony Randolph, thinking, okay, there, he's 6'10", he's, he's got the length here. But just Randolph is not mentally wired to play the three. And that is the primary reason that they weren't able. I think they're able to do it. He's just, is, of course, he's not the greatest defender in the world anyway. But he was still floating to the middle, as you were saying. So they don't really have any guys on the perimeter. At least no length at all on the perimeter right now. Yeah, you got to stick with your man. Yeah. Stand by your man. Yeah. Was that the yeah. song? You or whatever. You yeah. got to you got to stand yeah. you got to
2: stand by that guy. If you're if you're Anthony Randolph, if you're Ty Lawson, you're gonna get screened a lot. Like that's what's gonna happen. And like Damian Lillard, what what's what hurts so much about that if you're a, a Nuggets player, is Lillard. If you get a hand in his face, his shooter percentage is so low. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know just contest his shot. Yeah. If you leave him wide open, he's knocking him down left and right and looking like a star. I mean, he and he may very well be a star. I mean, he is a star. He's a great, great player. But it's just he doesn't shoot a very high percentage. He just doesn't. And if you have a hand in his face, it would it would have uh, definitely been a lot more, just a lot better for the Nuggets. But when you have a guy who's playing off the ball in the first place, stand by your man. That's it. That's it. I mean, he might run off with some screens, then you got to get through those, through those screens, you know, and then that's just you know, one of those things that I thought was, you. you were, I think you asked the question of Brian Shaw one, uh, one day um, the difference between the fours and fives and how they cover the, the screen roll. Yeah. And he says, we want the fours to blitz and we want the fives to back off basically is what he said. And, you know, there were a couple of times with Kenneth Reed, he would have been the four in the, in the screen roll, and he just backs off. Well, then the, the guard rises up and t- takes the jump shot. You've got to just – well, listen, he's got – you've got to make the guard take a negative dribble. And I'm just – you know, that's one thing that I think – I just think you know, the good teams do that. You know, there were instances in that game where LaMarcus Aldridge would, would roll – and because the guard wasn't because Lillard was not forced to think about it and go backwards Well, he can rise up and drop the pass to him and then you know, it's a mad scramble back to Lamarcus Aldridge. He's That's money. It's over yeah. when he catches the ball and you're not close to him. That's a bucket. Yep uh, You know If you're the big and you know, you can't get back to him Then you know you have to get to the guard and the guard you have to make the guard think about it And they weren't doing either one of those two things. So it would be this kind of soft show any good basketball player is going to attack you, and then c- and continue on his path if you don't stop him, and that's just kind of what happened. And so, you know, everybody can't back off. No, nope. you know, especially when you have a, a scoring guard. So, nope. and, and guess what they're going to get tomorrow. Tony Parker. Uh, Tony Parker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tim Duncan, oh. who lives
2: off jumpers. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. No oh boy. So you got to, there's probably no better guard in the league at attacking screen rolls than Tony Parker is. Yeah. So you really have to either hedge hard or just make the commitment to never hedge and stay on and stay on whoever the, the screener is. We'll yeah. see what they do. We'll
0: oh, see. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Took up some of Dempsey's time. We did. Morton. His valuable writing time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, trans, my transcribing time.